Welcome to the T-Hud Podcast. I'm Leland Steele. And I'm Moby. And I'm Brayden. Yes, we have a guest today, Oh, uh, finally one that didn't, didn't ditch us. Didn't ditch us for brunch, <laughs> which is what the guest before brunch. you did. Yeah, oh, we... Wasn't it her friend's birthday, at least, though? Yeah, that's what okay. she said. Well, okay, that's fine, that's fine. No hard feelings. Oh, I have hard feelings. <laughs> Are you kidding me? That's weird, it's normally the other way around. No. <laughs> So, Brayden, we are super excited to have you on the show here. Excited to be here. So, how this started is basically the best $5 I've ever spent. I I put my okay. credit card on Craigslist. So, okay, I was, I was confused when you said that because you now have to pay to post ads on Craigslist? Yes, thing even now? gigs, which this was really? a gig. And yeah. I thought, what the hell, it's five bucks, we could use a few more guests. And I'm like... Who is going to want to be on a podcast just, like, to be on it? And then, you know, Braden was the first uh, first guy to, <laughs> to message. And I was like, wow, okay, like a guy that directs, like, a movie in his living room? And he's like, no, like a movie movie. And I'm like, with film? <laughs> 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 I just kind of was like, okay, this is cool. Like, yeah, you know, it we, is cool. This is kind it's of not cool. a guest like we've had. I mean, we've had some cool guests. We've had some board game designers and some people that have run like geek blogs and stuff like that, but not someone in the industry currently. So that's cool. Right. And it is nice to branch out in into one of the other industries, right? Like we have really touched, our, as far as guests games. go, we've had mostly board games. Stuff. And oh, it's been wow. kind of like, yeah, video game and media sort yeah, of people, yeah, but not right. someone who's actually in movies. So, you know, why don't we shut up and we let you introduce <laughs> yeah, yourself. Yeah, Jesus. <laughs> Three and a half minutes in and... That's good for us. <laughs> Guess hasn't got a plug yet. <laughs> I guess we should just all go to brunch first. I don't know. But, uh... <laughs> we should have. We should have brunch right <laughs> go. Yeah, it's a nice icebreaker, I guess. But yeah, it's, no, it's awesome to be here and thanks for having me. I started off in TV broadcasting, actually. I'm originally from Toronto, Ontario, and uh, shout out to the Raptors who just won, so got to do that for my home, you know? We the North. Yeah, we the North. But yeah, I started in TV broadcasting out there at a, at a young age and worked at Rogers Television. as a, uh, I started off as like an audio technician, so I was literally just in charge of audio mics and uh, making sure the levels were great during the the live productions of the TV shows, and then I worked my way up to camera operator, and then eventually my my stars aligned, and I became a director and producer there. So I was doing uh, uh, directing and producing the live breakfast television show every morning, and then in the afternoons we had more not live television but more taped stuff, and I was doing that as well. So two shows a day, and I was really fortunate to do that, and um, it was a great learning experience and. I was very young at the time. I was like 15 or 15 or 16 at the time. So I was very lucky to do that while I was in high school. And uh, I also was, while I was doing that, I was running around with my friends and making like indie short films with my camcorder and running around town and getting a bunch of trouble and not having proper permits to film things because that's what you do when you're a teenager and film things. So that's what I did growing up. And then I moved to Vancouver to go to film school and really hone in on my craft and film production and learn as much as I could. And while I was in film school, I majored in directing and cinematography. And um, since graduation of film school, I worked on many shows like Arrow and Supernatural and Flash and Supergirl. And then I've kind of moved on to more of my independent stuff and doing more running my own film production company, The Nerdy Kid Productions, as well as producing directing within that company and doing music videos and commercials for clients. And uh, we just did our 
uh, first feature film and it's my first feature film as a director and it's a psychological thriller called Beyond the Woods and we just finished and we just got it done and we've been working really hard to get it done for the festival run which we really want to do starting off with TIFF, uh, the Toronto International Film Festival. So uh, their deadline, submission deadline was June 14th and we filmed all of February and basically the last three months of my life had just been this film and getting it done and we got it done a couple of days before the deadline and submitted it to TIFF and we also submitted it to uh, VIF, Vancouver International Film Festival. So we're kind of in consideration right now and waiting and we're playing the waiting game and I'm finally starting to get a life back and um, do non uh, things that involve this film. So <laughs> yeah, so that's 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 my life in a nutshell. Well, you know what? Tell tell us a bit about this movie because when you told me sure. about it, I, I thought it was really cool. So first of all, it takes place in the 90s, right? Yeah, so it's a it's a psychological thriller um, that takes place in the year 1993, to be exact. Um, it follows this interrogation of our main character, uh, our protagonist or antagonist, depending on how you look at it. Um, right. He's being interrogated after the death of his wife and the disappearance of her brother. Um, and he really becomes a suspect at play because he really seems to be the only one who knows where this brother character is. And um, the whole movie is kind of... a uh, interrogation and playing with reality what's real what's not real and um kind of a a a countdown of this character's survival as as the odds against of of him surviving are very against him and the elements with uh the winter play with that for sure yeah and one you can correct me if i'm wrong here but i have a note on this one Mm -hmm. of the things that really excites me about senior film which i i really hope i do see is you've kind of written it in a way that it's doesn't it start to play with the mind of the the viewer about you know is this real did this actually happen yes that is uh that's a very true aspect of the film i really um play with kind of what's real what's not real will the audience think this is real or maybe they'll think one thing and think the other and i really my goal with this film was to really make the audience think and um actually feel very uncomfortable a big Uh, theme throughout the film is grief Um, and I feel that film at most of the time doesn't matter what time period I really think it uh, grief is almost a taboo subject like it's very like grief automatically means crying in a corner or crying or screaming and grief isn't always like that and people deal with grief in their own way and it's actually a very I find a very uncomfortable topic to talk about with people and people feel it's just an uncomfortable topic and so I really wanted to utilize that and emphasize that and my shooting style too is very long and I do like a lot of slow push-ins, a lot of like, I literally have a scene where I just watch our character smoke a cigarette and you watch him smoke it in real time. And it's to, to emerge the audience in these awkward, uncomfortable situations and make them mm. sit, sit in that with our characters and make them really f- be more, more or less, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, involved with the character and, and kind of feel that. So um, yeah, playing with reality and what's real and what's not real and making maybe the audience maybe traditionally, um, for lack of a better term, go one way and then actually go a whole other way as a traditional film might go. That's cool. That's yeah. awesome. Sounds scary. Reminds me of uh, us watching Leland slowly drink his beer back in our 20s, <laughs> terrified of him and terrified of what he might do. My, as I'm working on my second 40 of old English. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's the truth. It's it's interesting, Brayden, because what I feel like your film is going to do, hopefully, is add like a fourth dimension to the film itself. So, I mean, you've got sight, sound, whatever. You're seeing what's on the screen, mm-hmm. but that 
your mind starts to hopefully crack a little bit and you're brought into that awkward, insecure state. And mm -hmm. I, I just think it's really innovative. So thank you. Uh, thank you. Kudos to you. Thank you. Thanks. That's awesome. Well, uh, there's a little bit of foreshadowing there, listener, because uh, we're going to talk psychological thrillers later, which is a segment I'm excited for. But first, we've got our banter segment, of course, that we've got to jump into here. Yeah. So, uh, Leland, do you have any banter to start us out with? Uh, sure, I'll go first. Um, I, just I just finished binging season three of Jessica Jones. Okay. And nice. it wasn't complete garbage. <gasps> really? Wow. It wasn't shit. Oh. Wow. Uh, of a uh, far cry from the terrible TV that made up season two. Mm. <laughs> and it, it's it's really it's the last hurrah for the uh, Netflix Marvel superhero stuff, right? Like that's right. it. Everything now is canceled. There's nothing else coming out. It, it's over. And I think it was I think it was a, a decent enough send off, but it just just Overall, the series season two and three just really showed that the the real magic and quality of season one came directly from David Tennant's performance as Kilgrave. Oh, wow. Just he just made season one. I'm, they just could they could never have topped it. It's just it's just the way it is. Hmm. Interesting. Um, I think um, I think it's worth watching if you are a fan of Jessica Jones. I think you will enjoy it. They did do it's. It's nice. Like the 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 villain this season isn't like, you know, just somebody that is also super strong. Like they did with two and can just punch, go punch to punch with Jessica. Right. It's 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 more than that. It's more on the kill gravy kind of interactions with this antagonist that Jessica. You know, she can't just really go up and punch. Um, yeah, she can't punch her way out of it. She can't. She can't drink and get angry and 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 things will work out fine. You know and. I think though that's that's something that's always been been difficult I think for the creators of of Jessica Jones that Jessica Jones is and should really always remain this this broody like pessimistic asshole right but that that doesn't provide any character growth whatsoever any character growth you get throughout a season is ultimately completely undone at the beginning of the next season because she needs to be brutish. She needs to be mad about something to 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 drive her character. And it's just, I don't know, man. It's just, it's. I think it's just tough making that character a thing. <laughs> well, Brayden, one thing you need to know: if Leland says that something's sort of passable, you can expect this season to win five Emmys. So <laughs> we, we joke <laughs> that he's very very hard on TV and movies when he rates them. Slight exaggeration. I, I may be a bit of a tough critic, but I think I'm. I think I'm the same, though. Unfortunately, like a lot of my family and friends, on the same way. So. Oh man! Sometimes I'm just like so bubbly. I'm kind of like, oh yay! I was entertained for five minutes. This movie's an eight out of ten, and Leland's about ready to <laughs> smack the microphone <laughs> into my face there. Sometimes, but um, no, that's cool. I'm glad that you finally saw some TV that you did not hate because yeah. that. That contrasts with our last several episodes of this show. Yes, it does. And it actually also kind of last episode we touched on kind of the streaming service burnout that you were feeling yes. in yes. our new segment, Rage or Rejoice. Yes. And this was the first time that I had spent any amount of significant time on Netflix in months. Like right. literally months. I think the last thing I watched actually was a Netflix original. I think it was just called Mother. And it was about like a, mm. a, a robot 
uh, robot, like an AI that is in this facility that is like growing. She grows this embryo and is like raising this 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 kid. It was actually pretty good too. <laughs> actually, I would recommend watching it. Oh, is that the I Am Mother one? Yeah, that's yeah, what it is. I Am yeah. Mother. That's right. That's right. Um, I liked it. I, I it was cool. It's on my list. It's on my list. Yeah, I I, I definitely check it out. Uh, Brayden, did you bring any banter, or are you just gonna? I did. I did. Uh, okay. Yeah. Shoot. I want to talk about Keanu Reeves, actually. All right. <laughs> so Fire. I've been a huge diehard fan of Keanu Reeves since the moment I watched Speed when I was like, I don't know how old, like seven maybe. And I've loved him since that movie and that moment in my life. And I've watched all his movies since and been a huge fan. And every time I'm like telling someone I like Keanu Reeves, they just give me this weird look like it's the weirdest thing ever that I could even think this guy is a good person. And I've just <laughs> never understood that. And then I wake that up weird. this week, you know, and all of a sudden people and are literally like caught up to me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm just like, I feel like I need some, I don't know, like he recognition. He is fucking everywhere. He's everywhere. Yeah, he, he's, he's suddenly yeah. everywhere. Like he's John Wick now and and yeah. like he was, he's this huge meme like five years ago, like Sad Keanu and then he's John Wick and then he's like this other meme now because of his cyberpunk uh 2077, 2077 like e3 yeah. conference <laughs> like you're breathtaking you're breathtaking i've been that i've been that guy so for good. like <laughs> as long as i can remember like i'm the guy yelling you're breathtaking not <laughs> n- not really but like well now you can yell it and Ken yeah will yell it right and, back at and you. there's no i've never i've never felt shame but i know people were giving me shame for liking keanu reeves and he's also in toy story 4 now which is crazy and he's oh playing yeah canadian. He, he plays the the canadian toy or whatever right? yeah the, the canadian, awesome. i didn't know that canadian yeah. daredevil yeah he plays this like weird like not not duke nukem but like like um, evil dare, knievel evil knievel like canadian yeah motorcyclist dude so yeah that was that's my banter is he's that's just everywhere banter, now, and, and, you know uh, what's interesting about that and really just proved your point that all of the, you know, if you guys, are you familiar with that Rock, Paper, Shotgun article um, that uh, a, a quote-unquote journalist uh, for this website wrote this scathing article about the, uh, like, our closed demo for Cyberpunk 2077. No, I, I And about no. how, he, how he was disgusted at the depiction of some uh, minorities in it and how, uh, like, it, it just... From all accounts, it seems like completely conflated and ha- and was like degradating uh, CD Projekt Red on on the way they're handling this, you know, getting this little snippet of this of this film, and it got a lot of backlash and it got a lot of people being like, "Yeah, this is disgusting." Based on a again a closed hour gameplay demo that was shown to a bunch of journalists, but but that was right at like it was from that was E three stuff, right? That was. Immediately after Keanu's name was attached to this project, I didn't see any fallout or anybody, uh, you know, tweeting or about like, man, I wish, how can Keanu be a part of this? Like in the midst of all this outrage that people right. are feeling for this game that, you know, has it comes out in a year. I didn't see any backlash for Keanu being a part of it, hmm. which is which is interesting. Like, I think it just really just goes to, yeah, the popularity of, of Reeves these days. My, I'm going to make an analogy about Keanu Reeves, and it's going to sound weird, but he's kind of like a whale. And what I mean by <laughs> that is, like, you've got this... Just imagine the movie going public is on, like, a whale watching Zodiac. And what does the whale do? It goes under the water, 
for what seems like five years. It comes to the surface, blows, everyone goes, whoa, and then the whale <laughs> dives down again. And I feel like, you know, it's like speed. And then uh, what was uh, point break, point break. And then Bill and Ted. Yeah. And then even a little bit. Um, a little before De- Devil's Advocate, was it? Yeah, Devil's uh, Advocate. Yeah. De- Devil's yeah. Advocate, which I kind of like. With, uh, and Pacino, then it was right? like Neo, and he was huge in yeah. the Matrix. And then, I don't know, maybe to some people, Constantine. But he, like, well, disappeared. And, and he, he, he I think back. he did some rom-com stuff. He had that one uh, with Sandra Bullock. The Lake House were... or whatever, yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. <sighs> He's, he's, he's like a Hollywood staple, man. Everyone loves him. Yeah. And there's now like this whole subtype, uh, or uh, maybe subtype's not the right word. There's all these videos of like good Keanu now, like him just being a normal guy yeah. and like, yeah, like riding the subway and motorcycles and, and well, stuff and riding the subway. I, I will say, um, have either of you seen the Netflix movie Always Be My Maybe? No. No, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, but he's in that. He is in it. He, I had, that was what I had. Uh, message you Moby after I watched it like halfway through he's got a great cameo and if you listener are on the fence about whether or not you like or dislike Keanu Reeves watch this movie and you will love Keanu Reeves it is okay. it literally like makes it, it's a really good movie I really enjoy the movie but fuck me was Keanu Reeves awesome in that movie it's so funny he plays himself <laughs> oh okay enough said yeah like right. uh, it's so I haven't oh, seen so the good. full the full film, but I couldn't help myself. And as you know, I'm a huge diehard Keanu Reeves fan, so <laughs> I literally have just seen that scene, and it's like yeah. a great scene. Yeah, he's got a lot of airtime actually, and it's surprising amount of time. Oh. A lot of good stuff. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> Check it out. That's cool. Third banter from Leland. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Triple banter. Um, my piece of banter was to do with the new Joker film uh, mm. with Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, it was announced that it's it actually c- pronounced Joaquin Phoenix. Oh no, it's not. Yeah, yeah. There was an article on Rock Paper Shotgun that just came out about it. Joaquin. Phoenix. <laughs> I'm just okay, I dude. This is not our <laughs> April Fool's episode. I was There's like, no Marty uh, here. Are you sure about <laughs> that? I, I, I didn't him? think you were gonna buy that as hard as you did. <laughs> well, yeah, it's Rock Paper Shotgun. I don't read them, but apparently they're like the Encyclopedia Britannica of <laughs> modern news. So maybe I should follow. No, them. the joke was that they had just. Put out a bullshit article about Cyberpunk 2077. That was where the joke came from. Oh. Right over your head. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, continue. So, okay. So, this is kind of more of a question directed at, at Leland, but I'll ask you too, Brayden. Uh, it just came out that the Joker film is going to be rated hard R. So, does that... Little backstory here. Leland is very particular when it comes to his Jokers. His expression of the Joker oh, I mean, I'm... <laughs> I'm not it's like I don't know if particular is the word I'd use, but I mean like ruthless. When you when you give me f- fucking Leto, Leto's Joker, <laughs> oh, right? God. Thank you, thank you. That's like, the then, worst fucking thing ever. I'm gonna be a little hard on on what the depiction of the next joke. I mean, he's following up this performance that he, it really needs to be good because right. a lot of people I think are ready to jump on the bandwagon of not liking Joker, not liking a cinematic version of Joker. Oh yeah, once once Heath Ledger kind of took it, no one else wants to see it again. Honestly, like if it wasn't such a Batman villain staple, like they shouldn't have touched it with a temper pole for a little while. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe enough time had passed before Leto kind of took took up the mantle, but I, I don't know. I I really like Joaquin Phoenix. He practically has his own section in my DVD Blu-ray closet, and so I'm really excited to see what he's doing here. I I like 
where they're going with it, how he's just this man driven insane by society and loneliness and kind of just his own poison mind. Mm-hmm. And so I'm kind of interested in seeing where that goes. So, so I, I interrupted you before you finish your question. What was your actual question? Oh, my question was, does, does the R rating excite you anymore or no? Uh, no. Um, and a, a rate, huh. any other, any rating other than R, I would have been flabbergasted at why it's not R. Okay. Quite frankly. Okay. Because, because, okay, look, how could they possibly do another version of Joker as a PG-13 movie? That seems I like a really it. stupid fucking choice. If they are going to continuously reiterate the character of Joker that is apparently not part of the DCEU, right? Just They just want to tell this Joker story, then it needs to be R. Like, it would be, they would be so fucking moronic to do any other rating than R. Right. So, it doesn't get me more hyped for it. It just makes me not less hyped for it. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. That makes no, sense. I, what, what, do you, what do you think, Brayden? Does the R rating mean anything uh, to you? Yeah, because uh, I think R-rated superhero films, like for me, um, like Logan to me was like oh, yeah. the best X-Men film. By far. It's not a choo-choo, and that that adds that adds value to me because when I read the comics and when I read uh, like the graphic novels or even play some of the video games, like they're very like gory and they're very like explicit and and especially as a, a teenager and and now an adult, like that's what more attracts me to these comic book characters and these superheroes and villains. And I'm kind of sometimes disappointed when they understand that a, ch- a more younger audience will be going to the cinema to watch these films or play these games and um, they kind of cap it at PG-13 or 14A because they don't want to diminish their target audience and the only reason they're doing that is because they don't want to decrease ticket sales so they just right. they need the profit but when I right, see it cheapens uh, the final product in my yeah opinion. yeah and 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 when they just go full out and let the character be who he is like the Joker's a fucking crazy dude like he has a crazy backstory he's fucked up he's the craziest dude you'll ever meet and he's violent and he's brutal and he has no remorse and putting him in a PG cartoon all the time is it's great all fun and games for a while but like you said as well like it's it's doing the same character and over and over again so when I found out that they're doing uh, I was already really excited for Walking Phoenix like I uh, I'm very honest about my feelings about Jared Leto being the Joker and I think he's awful at it I don't, I don't like Jared Leto to be honest uh, in anything really Oh, a man after my own heart, my friend. You are <laughs> kindred spirit here. I fucking hate Jared Leto. I think he's super overrated, and yes, I, thank I, you. I thank you. And he and <laughs> he himself thinks he's better than everyone else too, which I don't like. Uh, and so then, yeah, that's the worst part. Um, yeah, like if he was a humble dude, I'd be like, yeah, whatever. But he's just an asshole, I think, and he's a little crazy in his own way. Yeah. So anyway, I don't like Jared Leto. I hated him as the Joker. Uh, I've never met him in person, so I can't say how he is in real life, but. If you're a nice guy and you hear this, I'm sorry, Jared Leto, but you're just not my my cup of tea. And then, um, yeah, and then I love Walking Phoenix, and I think he's a great actor. And so when I heard he was the Joker, I was pretty excited. And um, now that it's our rating, I'm I'm even more excited. Actually, like I that makes me want to go to the cinema more. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, that's good to hear. And then I, then I I think you are going to be the majority of people and. They've made. I think that they've made a smart move, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah I do I, too. Yeah, but I just again, like I, I guess I had in my head like that it was a no, it was a no brainer, it was no question. Um, yeah, I that's, mean, how, how much, how much more proof too. do we need of the R-rated superhero genre films that can 
be successful. I, I don't think we yeah. need any more. To, it's a, I think there's a proven model that they can they can adapt and tweak with uh, to fit the character that they're depicting. Now, I, I just wanted to comment on uh, you're referencing basically like animated Joker, right? Right. And how, yeah, the depiction in, in like a PG version, I think taking it to the other end of that spectrum makes the character or at least what the writers can do with the character more interesting because it's like they're having this game of what they can get away with. And of course, I'm referring Batman the Animated Series as a whole. That mm-hmm. series was much more adult than on its yes. yeah. surface, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just think that's that's interesting, right? That that juxtaposition between the either end of these spectrums. Yeah. I don't no, know. I, it's cool. I, yeah, I like thinking. I agree. About. Okay. Well, I mean, that's the only piece of banter I had. Thank God. Anyone... <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. No, I, I mean, I'm just like I'm just saying. I'm just keeping an eye on time. That's all. And I was wasn't a degradation of you or your. Oh, okay. The banter you. you like to bring. Forward, okay, but. thank you, thank you. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I could have bantered longer about that cyber that cyberpunk twenty seventy seven article. I could have went. I'm not yeah. judging. Could have went for another fifty minutes. I'm not judging because the 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 creator of the, the pen and paper RPG cyberpunk twenty twenty is has spoken about that article as well and says this is a bunch of fucking bullshit. An African American creator, FYI, that has a lot to do with the video game production, which a lot of misinformation on the internet. Out there was saying that oh this guy Mike I think Mike his name is Mike Pondsmith I believe his name is oh Pondsmith doesn't have anything to do with this video game he would be rolling over in his grave or what you know like the equivalent of that's <laughs> fucking stupid ah, that's just at least I didn't bring up Fallout yeah good 76. good thing you didn't get me going about it <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay well Breen do you have anything else or just that one piece no that's it I I bantered about uh, my love Keanu Reeves and. That's all my heart can take right now. So <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, yeah. So, video game variety show where we'll tra- we're talking about stealth games. Yeah, and obviously I'm the content director, mm-hmm. so I put this shit together. Right. And uh, <laughs> you know, as I, I I just it was talking about um, some of the video games that Braden played, and then I was inspired by my own experience with Splinter Cell which is mm. one of my favorite games. And what you guys don't know and what Braden doesn't know, this is this is why I can't have money. This is why I can't have nice things. Oh, Jesus. What so did you do now? Right after, <laughs> right after I talked with Braden and I assembled this segment, I went on eBay and I bought all the remaining Splinter Cell <laughs> games I didn't own. Oh. Like, so it's only like 80 bucks for three games. Oh, that's not Okay, bad. that's like one no- a new game now, so. Yeah, yeah, so right. I just had the original, which I played the hell out of, and there it turned out there was three other GameCube games. There was like uh, Pandora Tomorrow, Chaos Theory, and I think Rogue Agent or Double Agent or something like that. So I just went on eBay, and I'm like, click buy, click buy, and right. uh, haven't played them yet. You'll get them in six weeks because eBay is an antiquated online shopping it is oh i've got them all now but <laughs> oh uh, they can't. oh right okay but uh yeah i was excited to talk about stealth games just our general experiences with them mm-hmm and sorry, I forget the game because I was a loser and I forgot my notes. But, um, <laughs> Braden, there was one stealth game that you played right. a lot of, I believe. Yeah. So was that. Yeah, it's not going to be a video game either that I think a lot of people are going to expect me to say. But it's um, PlayStation Sly Cooper. Um, yeah. I grew up with that game and uh, I, I just love it. And it's super nostalgic for me. But at the same time, it's I don't. I don't just like it because it's nostalgic. I, I just really like the gameplay and the simplicity of it and 
the the cartoonish aspects as well and the artwork and just uh yeah i don't know i just love the story is great too the story is always big for me i don't i'm not always about the graphics and stuff of video games as long as the story or gameplay is great then that's all that matters to me and uh, i recently just uh <laughs> i had i was also similar situation i was like talking to somebody about the the game and i was like oh i haven't played it in so long and then i just knew that they remastered it for not playstation 4 unfortunately but i still have my old playstations as well so um i picked up like the trilogy remastered version and then they did come out with a number four when i was a teenager so uh, i haven't actually played the fourth one yet but i own it now i bought all four of them when uh i was being nostalgic and yeah i'm in the middle of playing all of them all over again i'm in this on the second one right now but it, yeah it's a very it's like a stealth ish game like it's about robbing and being stealthy and stealth is a big aspect of the gameplay for sure yeah that's a that's a great franchise that's a good pick i had that on on my my list here as well oh great nice um i don't like stealth games i am not a fan of them i'm not drawn to them i've never played a splinter cell game never will I never, I've never Metal, Metal Gear Solid. I grew up with. Listen to me. I, I have caveats. Yes, I have caveats. So my basically my short list. Some highlights for me. Um, yeah, the Metal Gear Solid series. Um, from start, I started. I played Sons of Liberty forward. Um, yes, enjoyed them all immensely. Spat, MGS3 Snake Eater, hands down the best Metal Gear Solid game ever created, and ever will be created. Yes, love that series. Uh, the Hitman series is a, a really Hitman, fun. yeah. That was on my list, too. Yeah. Dishonored. I haven't played Dishonored 2, but Dishonored 1 is really great. Uh, but And then, of course, yeah, Sly Cooper, Sly Cooper uh, franchise is on that list, too. But I think what makes these specific franchises key for me is that they're, they're much, much more than just the stealth. I right. don't yeah. like stealth gameplay. I don't particularly enjoy stealth mechanics. Um the worst part in in uh, the latest uh, Spider-Man PS4 exclusive was the, the Mary Jane segments because they were predominantly stealth. Oh my stealth. god, I hated that. I was getting so angry when I played that <laughs> right. game. <laughs> right. So so in those series that I listed, like there there is other things to do other than just be stealthy. You can take other routes that aren't stealthy. You can just be guns a blazing and and still be able to to match to to get through the game and have a good time with it. Uh, I don't know if that's how the Splinter Cell games play. I, I don't know. Uh, actually, yeah, they do. Um, well, I should say the one out of the four games that I played is like that. It rewards you for being stealthy. If you're not, it's uh, more challenging, but you have the opportunity to kind of go in guns a-blazing. And you can kind of mix and match. What I mean by that is uh, Splinter Cell has a lot to do with light and how much shadow there there is. You have a light meter that you see on the screen at all times. It's locked on. And so if you're in maximum shadow and you can kind of see what a guard's patrol route is, you know, even if there's a couple guards, you can have a good ambush spot where you just whip out your pistol and, you know, cap them both before they know where you are. Uh, the AI is pretty smart. They'll find you pretty quick, but you can do it. And that's actually a very good caveat. I'm in complete agreement. Uh, that was something I was going to bring up because there was an old computer game. I never owned it, but I played it because I had a few friends that were into it called um, Thief back in the day. And that was really relentless on the stealth. Like right. if you killed someone, they bled everywhere and you'd almost always get caught. And that I would hate. In that type of game, I can't stand. 
even with Metal Gear Solid, now I only ever played Twin Snakes, which was the uh, GameCube version reboot of, of, Sons of Liberty. Of Metal- hmm. I thought it was, was Metal it the- Gear Solid one. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. you are right. Yes, are yes. Right. What? Oh, what was the the two? What was the two called? I'm maybe I'm thinking of something else. I'm thinking of uh, Subsistence, probably. Yeah, that was MBS three. Yeah, I think that's that's okay. different. So Twin Snakes was Metal Gear Solid. So I I have I've not played Metal Gear Solid one. No, I did not get to play like. And I felt Metal Gear Solid was too far uh, stealthy for me to enjoy. Like, I know mm. you can bring out your gun at certain okay. points, but I just sucked at it. I, I did way better at Splinter Cell <laughs> somehow. See, that's another thing. I'm shit at stealth mechanics, too. Like, I'm garbage at it. And, like, when they're implemented a little wonky, too, it's just frustrating. You spend half the game moving around yeah. in a box. It just makes it frustrating. But, look, they're okay, again, we're focusing on MGS here, yeah. but... Specifically, MGS is so much, much more than just these stealth mechanics. There's, there's all this ridiculous storyline and the hours of cutscenes that you get to that you get to sit through and enjoy. And I don't know. It just they're they. I think they hit that sweet spot, that balance for me, because it actually is fun being stealthy in like an MGS game. Maybe I should play Splinter Cell games. I don't know. I don't know. Well, you hate Nintendo. I'm just never drawn so. to them. That's all. Mind you, I think they're multi. <laughs> Multi-console. Yeah, there's there's so. lots that came out in the 360 era and stuff. So, hmm. well, I would let you more borrow my GameCube, but I know you'd, you know, rather spend a night chilling with Jared Leto at a nightclub than <laughs> playing a GameCube. <laughs> 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 um, Sly Cooper, explain the game to me a little bit, because I don't even think I've seen it. Like, uh, is is that kind of all right? I'll do. I'll do bit? my best to give it justice here. So, basically, what's like the whole premise of this this. I, I still call it a trilogy because growing up it was three games and they came out as I grew up, so I had those three games. But basically what it is is it's these, this group of animal friends, <laughs> a raccoon, a hippo, and a turtle, and they're like this thieving gang together because um, Sly the raccoon grew up, uh, not grew up, but his, his ancestors were all thieves and they all had these special abilities and they were, they're not like stealing things from, for the sake of stealing things, they're stealing um from people who are bad people or who have stolen things that aren't theirs, they steal it back. And that's kind of how they justify stealing in the game. And so this, they put together this book and it's called the Thievius Raccoonus. And um, this, this gang uh, really wants it and it has all the secrets to thieving. So they want it and uh, they break into Sly Cooper's house when he's a kid and unfortunately kill his parents. And he goes to an orphanage and that's where he meets this hippo and, um this turtle who become his best friends and their names are murphy and bentley and murphy's kind of the bronze of the group strong groody guy and uh the turtle uh bentley is more the brainiac and kind of the problem solver and of course sly is the stealthy leader of the group and it's a very worldly game you travel throughout all parts of the world and europe and china and um australia and all you meet all these different um animals throughout the world and it's uh it's not just stealth it's very character building and you uh throughout the later games the second and the third one you can play as different characters and it has this very cartoony nice artwork to it and it's not so realistic where the graphics have aged it's very cartoony so yeah there's a there's a good gameplay and good story and it's collecting things and figuring out patterns and um, being stealthy as well but also trying to figure out things on your own and trying to put puzzles together it's uh it's there's yeah. a lot of aspects there's action it's like, and, um, yeah it's in the vein of uh like a jack and daxter like a platform yeah very kind of like yeah. an expanded platformer kind of thing you know yeah and i think they share the the, the same creator or developer company and 
Um, I know that they like Jack and Daxter, like they've have like Easter eggs within their games of Sly Cooper and vice versa. So yeah, um, yeah, but uh, yeah, it's very it's very cool and um, I'm super into it still for some reason, but I am and I, I like playing it. So one one thing I wanted to bring up because we're on the cutting edge of this in the next decade is VR and stealth games and mm. if there's the potential explosion of stealth games due to vr yeah probably won't probably won't mean that much to the genre any thoughts uh i say no <laughs> i agree with that that it just doesn't make any sense like you because because all vr stuff is first person you can't you don't i mean yeah i guess you have dishonored but you need to be able to have a around the corner look. You, you know what I mean, like an over the shoulder uh, thing. I did like, not consider that somehow. Like the the functionality of it. Uh, uh, yeah, the mechanics to like really. a, Yeah, it, it doesn't oh, okay. seem like it would be able. To, you'd be able to do it. Yeah, and all the VR games right now too. Like it's still in its like beginning stages for sure. But like even like the more advanced VR stuff is very like loud guns ablazing style things and you need to have that even like i've gone to a couple vr parks where like it's more so not just in your living room but going to a facility for vr and even those are like even like the quiet ones that i've played like more stealthy you'd say like they're very still like loud and voice activation and the mechanics i think for any stealth game i've played like even hitman i don't think would translate well in vr Hmm. yeah no i I think I think you guys are actually have hit it on the head. I, the mechanics, the mechanics, mm. just I don't see how it benefits the mechanics as much. I just feel like it's a genre that's maybe on a downturn right now. I mean, Metal Gear Solid Five. I don't want to go back to Metal Gear, but it's like the main <laughs> thing that's out there. But Metal Gear Solid Five wasn't that well. Oh, well, it is, I, and I think it is that along with Splinter Cell. I think and Hitman. Splinter are, Cell are probably. I, I looked up um, probably three big ones that people immediately think of when you say stealth action video game. Mm-hmm. Um, at least those are the, really the first three that come to come to my mind. And MGS Five was such a fucking letdown. Really, ultimately, it was a letdown. But I don't know. Maybe uh, Hideo Kojima's new uh, game, uh, Death Strain, or whatever the fuck it's called. I don't, maybe that's a stealth uh, action yeah. game. It, maybe it certainly looks like it has the. Uh, it's going to have some, or could possibly have some MGS like stealth components to it. Maybe it's what we need a kick in the ass for this genre. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. But again, it's never something that I keep on my radar, so I could be just completely oblivious to this whole vast yeah, same, library. Like, yeah, I could yeah. just I don't really stealth isn't my first go to video game, but except for Sly Cooper, but um <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't I don't have a huge knowledge and understanding of stealth games either, so I could be totally off. Do you guys ever in like a, I mean I know Leland doesn't play this, but in a game like Zelda, like some sort of other action game do you try to play stealth and snipe ever or is it yes, just are I you do, guys, actually you do okay yeah my brother actually he gets pretty pissy with me sometimes like well sometimes like uh like whenever we're playing together or something and my brother and i are like we really want to do the stealth mode we do and I, I find sometimes too that i'm really into the stealth but after a while I, to be honest i just get super bored with it and i'm like <laughs> I really just want to go shoot this guy in the head, you know, like I don't want to wait anymore. <laughs> so I just go guns a blazing and my brother gets so pissy with me if we're playing together and he's just like, just follow the rules, like just do it. It'll be faster, it'll be easier. And you're right, like you said before, like it it makes the game even though you have the option to do it, it makes the the game play harder and uh more obstacles in your way to get to the final goal. So there's pros and cons to both, I guess, but 
It is, it is kind of fun to piss off people you play with once in a while, though. I was trying to think of what is the <laughs> oh, yeah. cheapest stealth mechanic I've ever seen. And it's actually in the Nintendo 64 game Perfect Dark. Did you ever play that, Braden, back then? No, day? no. Okay. There is a sniper rifle in that game. It's an alien sniper rifle. And it's x-ray. It can see through multiple walls. And, okay. <laughs> and it has a homing mechanism, even in multiplayer. So you literally just point this thing anywhere and it slowly trails to the closest <laughs> guy running through a wall. He can be across the entire map through like five walls and the projectile is like this alien bullet that goes through walls and one shots oh people. Oh my God. It's like the single most what? ridiculous mechanic ever. That's poor design. Yeah, that's just it, like laziness. It really is. I thought they're like, yeah, you know, this is cool. But I'm like, no, really, this isn't cool. This kind of <laughs> does ruin the experience. And the only thing I will say is fun is that one guy who is using that thing, because it does kind of track slowly. If you sneak up on that guy and just, you know, machine gun him in the head as he's staring into this scope, you know, that's kind of fun. <laughs> well, he's just like crouched in a corner. <laughs> yeah, it was always fun to sneak but up behind a sniper. Lob a few grenades at him. Put a bullet in the back of their head. Put a remote mine on him or something. Yeah. Proximity <laughs> mine. <laughs> Beep. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'll let, I'll let, uh, I'll let you know, Leland, how these uh, splinter cell yeah, games go sure. as I jump into for sure. So, uh, yeah, I just, I don't know, man. I just, stealth is like, ugh, kind of turns me off when I hear it. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, listener, if you really like stealth games and you think we're unnecessarily dour on them then feel free to make a facebook comment and uh let us know yeah any recommendations i'll take a recommendation oh yeah that's a good thing too yeah recommendations i i would be open to more as long as they kind of have that action component to them Mm -hmm. or you know action is permissible uh jump into the segment we all want to get to. yeah absolutely let's do it all right it's time for movie musings and we are discussing our favorite uh, psychological thrillers uh, in honor of Braden's film. Thank and you. And we're going to, yeah, yeah, we're going to dive into them. Um, one of my favorite genres. I'll throw that right out there. So I'm super pumped oh, to discuss my favorite three. Uh, and so what I want to do. I think I can guess two of your top three. Yes, you will be able to. <laughs> okay. And you'll for sure get one. Yeah. Slam dunk. Yes. Interesting. Yes. And, but the question is, will you get all three? You should be able to. I should be able to. The, I have talked about all three quite a lot. And the so thir- a third one just doesn't jump out to me, but two immediately jump right out. The third one is the one I don't know if you'll guess. Okay. And so if. Oh, like in that ranking. Yes. Okay. And so what we're going to do here, guys, <laughs> top three, we're going to go around. We're going to start with our third, move I'm, our way up okay. to one. So do you want me right, to try right. to guess right before you reveal? Sure. Okay. If we want to start with me. And then we'll give an explanation. So we'll start with me an explanation why I think it's a, a good film. Try not to be super spoilery, but... Uh, I suppose. It's, it's I mean, there, there actually have been some like newer ones, too, in the genre, right? A lot yeah. of mine, though, are, again, like from like the 90s. Yeah. Like, that was like seemed to be the hate. I mean, was oh, that wow. an influence? Was that an influence in the setting of your movie? Right. Um, actually, the reason I put it in the '90s is because I really like um, there's like there's a tape cassette player involved and hard copy photos and cigarettes and uh, okay, I really, so I really it's like more the aesthetic. of an aesthetic choice. Yeah, okay, um, it was more of a aesthetic choice, but then also it came into play. Like my cinematographer and I really love the film look and really wanted to um, imitate film, so right. we kind of that's also a reason why because of '90s films. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I have like a list of like. 10 that i had a short list of three Mm. (laughs) well that's awesome it was difficult i I would like to see yeah there's a lot of good ones there's a lot of good ones 
Well, yeah, I mean, I, they're not really in an order, and like I'm going to have to on the spot put my three I kind of singled out into an order here, but that's fine. Well, I, well, you know what we'll do? If you want to give some honorable mentions okay, well, you honorable give first, we'll, we'll give some yeah, honorable yeah, okay. mentions. Sure, sure. Uh, I have so you want to well. start moving? Yeah, so try to guess what my third is, Leland, if you can. I honestly have no idea what your number three is. Okay. I hope Braden knows what this movie is. So I for my so third, I, I have the 1997 film by David Fincher. Mm-hmm. Starring Michael Douglas, oh, the know. game. Oh, I should have been able the to guess game. that. I should have been the able game. Your, that's your third, yeah. That's my third favorite. All that right. is the first psychological thriller I can remember ever seeing. It was uh, my best friend at the time, listener Dan. Um, his mom said his dad had a huge DVD collection, great home theaters. Mom said, "Guys, don't even think about picking any other movie tonight. You have to watch the game. Trust me." And so we were like, okay, well, you know, and I loved it. Holy crap. Is that a amazingly creative, creepy movie? Have you seen it? I've seen it. It's been a long time since I've seen it. But uh, David Fincher for me is one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. And I take inspiration (laughs) to him when I make movies. So um, yeah, I'd have to rewatch it. But I do remember like also having that moment of watching it and being like, holy fucking shit like this is the kind of stuff i want to make it's it's a bit hokey at the end and that's my main criticism of it and i don't want to spoil why but yeah i mean basically a clockwork mechanism is set into place in the film that i believe becomes unbelievable at the end so the idea is this this is the non-spoilery part is Mm. uh michael douglas plays a guy it's his birthday i forget what birthday it is he mentioned i think it might be his 40th or something like that He's kind of washed out in life. He's gone through a divorce. Like, he really has nothing going on. And his brother, Conrad, gets him an invitation to the game. And all he says is that it's, you know, it's like an experience like no other. So he basically gets, I think, it's like a a certificate he has to take to this building. And then what ends up happening is he takes it to this building and they put him through like a huge, like, day-long battery of psychology tests and what seems like torture, like they keep his eyes open and show him all sorts of like crazy imagery, like violence and porn and stuff like that. And he's like, what am I doing? Starts to like yell, like, is anybody listening? Is anybody in here? And then he goes home and it's like nothing happens. He still doesn't know what the game is. Um, And then there's a part where he's watching TV with a newscaster and all of a sudden the newscaster starts to talk directly to him. And it's a really creepy scene. It's probably one of my favorite top twenty-five scenes in movies ever. When right. that news newscaster that's just cool. I have on. not seen this. Oh, you gotta watch I it. Let you gotta watch it. it. Yeah, it really absolutely. is good. I'm um, sure you yeah. like it. It's it's just it sounds like like uh, it was a premise that started a whole thing, right? Yeah. Um, there's just the concept of getting this invitation to this mysterious thing, and it's it's a movie that I don't think you could pull up now. Just no. because of the of what has already been done in the genre mm-hmm. itself, exactly, right? Yeah. It would just it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise people. I don't think it doesn't have that wow factor anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't think it would horrify people as much. And why I say that is, as you watch the movie, you still don't know what's happening, but it does kind of feel like an escape room, which didn't exist back back right. then. Right, exactly. And and so, but escape rooms aren't necessarily scary. Um, and so what happens is you watch, and it's almost more interesting than scary because i i've watched it a ton of times and i've watched it recently and that was the the feeling that i had the very last time i watched it 
was, hmm, this feels like I'm watching a video escape room. Mm. And it was less less See, creepy than it was the first bunch of times okay. I had seen it. Um, but I mean, I love Michael Douglas. Uh, his brother Conrad is Sean Penn. So like oh, ma- cool. another major yeah, yeah, yeah. actor. Especially around that time frame too, right? Around that time frame. Those are two big names to be attached to that movie too. Yeah. Wow, yeah, that's very... interesting to think about too. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that was like the premise was risky for them to like get it made at all. And they're like, you know what? We have these two big names attached to it. Just green light it and let's go. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. You know what? I'm going to IMDB it. Yeah, that would be something uh, interesting. Look at it. IMDB it. But uh, uh, let's let's go clockwise, which for us is Braden. So what's your number three pick? My number three pick is um, it's not uh, it's fairly recent film, like within the last few years. Okay. Uh, it's Nocturnal Animals with Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, I love Jake Gyllenhaal. Have you seen Noctur- uh, Nocturnal Animals? I haven't. No. no. Oh, so good. I I I definitely. I gotta put that it. on my list. I gotta put that on my phone. I don't want to give too much away. Um. So let me. I'm just trying to think of how I can explain it without giving a lot of it away. <sighs> Basically, uh, what happens is we we go through this journey with with uh with Jake Gyllenhaal and his mm-hmm. uh he he's driving down this road for so long and this dirt road with his uh wife and daughter and they come against this uh this situation with road rage and this other driver and they start racing down the street they're in the middle of the desert so it's su- it's super dark super cold super uh vast in the middle of nowhere and um basically what happens what what this whole results in is they pull over they start talking and they're like why are you why are you doing this to my car like leave us alone please leave us alone we just want to leave we want to lo- leave the daughter's freaking out the wife is freaking out jake Hall is trying to calm the situation and Basically, what ends up happening is these two people um, go in, his wife and daughter go in one car, and Jake Gyllenhaal goes in another car with the guy who was being um, a road raging asshole, basically. And they start driving, and they, the one car with his wife and daughter are no longer to be seen. And Jake Gyllenhaal starts to question where they're going and why why they're going to where they're going. And uh, he they they try to kill him in a sense, and and they think they have succeeded, but they haven't, and he gets away. And then the whole kind of film is trying to figure him trying to figure out answers, and we're, they're they're playing with time too, and we're seeing Jake Gyllenhaal's character maybe in the future and maybe in the past. We don't really know, um, and it's very so kind of that vibe. And I don't that's as far as I want to go into it without giving it away to you guys or or to the listeners. So um, I, I think it's very well done, and it's it's uh, not a traditional film in the sense of endings either. So. Um, yeah, I love it. I don't want to give anything else away though, because I probably will if I keep talking. <laughs> yeah, right. That sounds super cool. That just opening that just kind of yeah, gives me yeah. A I'm chill. definitely gonna see it. Like, oh, I'm not great. just saying it's... that to be nice. Like I want to see it. So would you? Uh, let's tangent here a little bit within the realm of movies. Would you put um, Nightcrawler with Jake Gyllenhaal? As... I was just I I thought of that. I left it off my list because I didn't. So that was like, are you asking me if I would put it on my list? No, is is it considered to be in this genre? Like, would, would you, you consider classify it as? I was thinking that because I actually, when I first started knowing we were going to be talking about psychological thrillers, Nightcrawler was definitely one of the ones that came to mind. Um, it's crazy. And I, I would say, yeah, I think it would categorize. I didn't put it in my top three because it was kind of, I was kind of on the fence with what genre it is, and I think it's one of those films that is psychological thriller, but it's it's also not depending on how 
how the viewer looks at it. And I think a lot of psychological thrillers are like that. Like, I th- maybe people, when they watch my movie, for instance, they won't maybe consider it a psychological thriller. Maybe they'll consider it uh, a drama or um, uh, a horror film sure, or, sure. or something. Uh, like whatever their perspective is, really. The, the, the whole fact that or the intention of the movie, the movie subverting the genre itself puts it into the genre. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what that is. That's so. cool. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, I really like Nightcrawler. I love Nightcrawler. Yeah, I I love it. It's it's definitely my top twenty movies of all time. Like that's how much. Wow. Yeah, I, I it agree. really it's is. Same for me. So, if but, that's not in your top three, then how do these top okay, three rank in your twenty? Okay, all time? because because it was exactly <laughs> what you two were thinking. That that I was thinking the same thing. For me, I was borderline on Nightcrawler. I actually went a little bit more to the side that it wasn't okay. a psychological thriller in okay. the genre, and I was going to bring it up as an honorable mention and mention that. Same. But oh, then we all thought the same thing and touched on it. That's cool. Yeah, it's definitely my honorable mentions list. Because, so. man, that movie ends and you're just left, like, feeling, like, kind of gross. You're like... Yeah, you're, like, watching him get away with something and you're Yeah, just like, yeah. But, and he's uh. so charming in almost everything else. And he's such a slime ball. I know. And, slime and ball you know, like, like that type of, like, uh, like, facsimile that he represents is, like, something you would... You would expect him to... This movie to be about, like, a full-on serial killer or something. Oh, like, yeah, like, for sure, yeah. Yeah. That's a good movie, man. I can maybe may, I need, might need to bump my third for that one. <laughs> well, now that we've accepted it yeah. as a possible psychological, now, I will stick with my. Okay, so my number three here, um, I went with Hard Candy. Oh, good pick. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen Hard Candy yet. Uh, with a, it's a, it's it, actually, it was filmed in Vancouver. It's like, um, small. It's an older one now too. Yep. I think. Yep. Like it came out around ish six two thousand seven. I think did it come out before Watchmen? Um, I think it came out before. Right. Yes. Okay. So Patrick Wilson. Sorry, Patrick Wilson and and uh, and Ellen Page. Right. And mm-hmm. and uh, Ellen Page basically is trying to like lure and and prove that Patrick Wilson's character is a pedophile. And I don't know. There's something about it that it's just like it's just kind of really boiled down. I feel like because it's it's really it it takes place in like one main area, right? Like it doesn't branch out really from this house at all and all the main events and all the big events are centered around this home and i don't know it's just it was really cool it was kind of refreshing i, I really like patrick wilson yeah mm-hmm. i had yeah, seen yeah, yeah. I, had, I had seen this after i had seen watchmen and i loved oh. wilson in in watchmen yeah. as night owl i like i don't know i just like fell in love with him from watchmen so that might be biasing my opinion but i don't know i, I really like this movie um so brayden you haven't seen it right i have not no so a little bit of backstory to it is that um, Patrick Wilson plays uh, basically a child molester. He preys on like teenage girls and Ellen Page turns the table on him and like captures him. As yeah, she's she, like reverse catfishes or something. Yeah, basically know. reverse <laughs> Shit, all right. catches him, does some tortury stuff. That's all we'll get into. But I, it's a movie I own and one of the craziest things about the movie for me is that mm. you know from the beginning, like you know Patrick Wilson's the bad guy, but he's likable somehow, yeah. and Ellen Page is Whoa. a disgusting yes. character, you, despite her supposedly yeah. having the role of the protagonist. You really sympathize with Wilson. Wow, that, you do, and that, and and he's sympathetic through the whole movie. Yeah. You pretty I much mean, to yeah, the you very end. Believe him through the whole movie too. You do. All his denials he's, like he, man. He's denying what is she, denying what is denying. She doing to this man? He's likable, he's charismatic. 
Ellen Page is very good at playing that kind of she's very neurotic in the movie. Right. That's how I'll discuss. Yes. She's very like jittery and neurotic and she's not likable. And and that's why I use the term protagonist instead of hero. I specifically use that right now. She is the main character, yeah. but I right. don't think she's a hero at all. I don't know. What's also weird about the like the sympathy thing is that like yeah, throughout the movie you're like, man, I could like believe this guy. What's happening to this guy? But then you're like, but it's a movie. Like he must be a he must actually be a pedophile. Like I'm watching a movie about someone trying to catch a pedophile. He must be a pedophile. But that's kind of playing in the back of your brain as you're your your the front of your head the front of your mind is like man what this poor guy <laughs> like, yeah it pretty, starts yeah. it starts mm-hmm. to mess you up it starts to mess yeah you i up. think i think that one kind of flew under a lot of radars too all right yeah oh I, oh absolutely yeah yeah i mean um i picked it up on a whim i saw it on some you know best of unknown psychological thrillers uh website and i I was at a time where I'd buy any movie I felt remotely interested in and bought it. And I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah. yeah it was yeah. pretty good. Good buy. Um, Sweet. So you're number two? My number two. Okay. Now, that, now you're, you're... I think your number two is one hour photo. No. What? Oh. I am shook. I, I am shook been, right now. I would have been uh, pleasantly happy if you said that. Maybe I mixed. Maybe I switched. My number two is Jacob's Last. Oh. Uh, see, okay. that was my guess for your number one. Okay. Interesting. Okay, um, cool. Well, let's. I'm interested to see what your number one J- is. Then. Jacob's Ladder is a movie that I have a weird situation with because from a very young age, I have a cool uncle. His name's Uncle Jeff. And he's like, Matt, you have to see Jacob's Ladder. I know you will love it. And my conservative Christian mom is like, Jeffrey, <laughs> you never show him that movie. Never. He's not allowed to see it. And she like held that because she, you know, it's got some horrific imagery, especially, well, all through it, but especially at the end. And uh, she didn't want me to be scared. And so finally, as an adult, Jeff Wendy's like, this is the only time I ever did this because he's not an emotional uncle. He's like, you're staying over at my house tonight. I'm getting some whiskey. We're watching Jacob's Life. <laughs> so I stayed over at his house. I watched it and my mind was blown. It was so worth the wait. So you have been, I have, I have yet to see this movie, despite right. you talking about it. Full hype train running, choo 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 for fifteen fucking years. Yes. <laughs> How the hell is this not your number one? I am fucking angry that it's not number one. Um, I'm so mad. You know why it's not number one? Actually, there there kind of is a logical explanation for that. So I really like the movie. Uh-huh. Uh The movie, in my mind, well, it, it was the largest um, inspiration for the Silent Hill video game series. Uh, it it nice. has. The, the video games rip stuff. A franchise you love. Movie. A franchise I absolutely love. Um, however, what happened is, years later, because I was so into the movie, I looked up a bunch of deleted scenes on YouTube, which should have never been cut, which oh, make the movie ten no. times better, and it taints the movie oh. just that much in retrospect. Well, there's that was just mm-hmm. an unpredictable element. I could not have predicted. No, you could not. <laughs> you could not. I mean, you got, you got childhood memories... You got branching um, fran- franchise fandom. This was well suited, <laughs> well positioned. This was not the underdog in this fight. I'm telling you what. No, no, and you had no way of guessing. I had you had no, no way of guessing, geez. and it's still a. Fan- wow, I mean, okay. look, I'm reading it number two. Like th- you're right, that you're right. See, these are top three movies. These are my top three psychological thrillers. Like one yeah, of my favorite right. genres of all time. So yes, I absolutely love Jacob's Ladder. Has a great ending, in my opinion, as well. I mean, I guess we're giving a little bit of a backstory for all of these. So uh, it's a guy named Tim Robbins. He's a Vietnam War vet. Uh, He uh, was um, injured in battle 
And uh, when he gets back home, what's, this, what's the actor's name that plays him? Uh, Tim Robbins. Right. Yeah. Tim. Oh, sorry. Okay. That's why I was confused. I'm like, did you just say the actor or the character name? Okay. No, like, sorry. I, I was talking really quickly. <laughs> no, okay. I was talking really quickly. It, I forget his name. His actor. Okay. No, sorry. By, That's why I was confused. I'm like, isn't that the actor? And so he starts to see all this like horrific imagery, just like kind of demonic creatures on the subway. Like he gets a glimpse or in the back of cars or things like that. There's a time where he feels like. Um, he's he's freezing and for some reason all the people around him like tackle him and stick him in a bathtub full of ice and some some weird stuff you know blood coming out of light bulb sockets that sort of thing um and more blankets and i can say this without spoiling but one of his old war buddies comes to him and tells him that uh he and his vietnam war buddies were experimented on with something called the ladder which was like an experimental u.s uh, drug, drug that made soldiers extra violent and good at being soldiers, but then they turned on each other. But <laughs> right, right. the movie doesn't actually, it, it kind of makes you think like, is the latter real or is Tim Robbins just crazy or what is huh. real? Or and, is it just this weird cover story for something, some other underlying problem or something that's sure. affecting these soldiers or whatever. And, and what I like too, is that it has a nice progression to getting more batshit crazy and surreal as it goes towards the end. Nice. Um, that's cool. So, I, that's interesting. Uh, again, I haven't yet to see this. Have you seen this one, Braden? No, I haven't either. It's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't yet the, watched it. The problem is with this one, guys, is like I can't tell you where to go see it. To my knowledge, it's not on any streaming service. The only way you can find it is by getting like an old print DVD off of ebay i don't or amazon i don't think it's even had a, a dvd or a blu-ray i should say release so it's very hard to get your hands on it but if it ever does come to streaming um i highly recommend it oh yeah yeah for sure wow. and i should let you just borrow it yeah i know so you're like two seconds away for god's sake <laughs> exactly uh Braden, <laughs> I mean, what do you have for your number two uh i have a pretty well-known film um by one of by my favorite director actually uh it's inception is Nice. my second psychological thriller and i'm not going to explain what it's about because if people haven't seen it by now then they're crazy and yeah, right. if they haven't seen it then i just go watch it experience it i don't want to say anything you just got to experience it with fresh eyes i guess okay so i don't think this spoils anything okay. um and you can i said i don't think this spoils anything you can kick my ass if it does but i'll just say that inception involves the concept of lucid dreaming where you're awake Spoiled inside it. a dream spoiled it i did but i, I didn't no. know there was i didn't know it was about dreaming i'm oh. so offended right now you're trolling yeah I'm trolling. what i was gonna say though is have either of you guys like i used to get lucid dreams a lot as a kid and they were really cool did you ever get them uh i think the closest i ever got was i had a reoccurring dream once in a while and i eventually caught on that it was a dream and that i and i was self-conscious that i knew that it was a dream after a while and I could start doing things, but that was the closest I ever got. Well, what happened was, so as a kid, obviously I'm a nerd. I'm doing the T-Hud podcast, which is a geek nerd cast. Woo. They, they actually had a Star Trek Voyager episode that was about lucid dreaming. And in that Chakotay can lucid dream and he uses the moon as a trigger to realize that he's dreaming. And then he has a system where he taps his wrist three times to get out of the dream. Well, as a kid, I used that concept of a moon oh, in reverse. 
so that I would no think of a moon before I was falling asleep. A moon would appear in my dream, and then that would be my trigger to become lucid. Holy That's shit. Cool. So that that worked really well. Wow. I had a bunch. I had some I did some really <laughs> socially deviant things in my lucid dreams oh, because boy. I knew what they were. I would you know, the best way of putting it is like Matrix. Guns, lots of guns. Because it was like the Matrix. You could just wow. make stuff appear That's in your hand, cool. whatever you wanted, and I do whatever try you wanted. I to trigger this. Stuff. I still remember a bunch of them. I, I remember a bunch of them really well. I, I just have poor sleep patterns in general and don't sleep very well. Oh, yeah. I'm like that now. I can't. No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just fucking you know, You know what I did in one of them? This was one I can actually yeah. tell the story. Okay, are you sure? Yeah. So, you know where... Um, <laughs> uh, Duny and Lougheed Highway merge in Pitt Meadows, yeah. right? Busy intersection. Yeah. So and this is like my most recent lucid dream. I was like 23 when I had it. I made myself appear in like a Cessna. So I made myself a Cessna. Okay. And I specifically crashed it into that <laughs> intersection in rush hour just to fuck people up and hear horns honk. Because I knew I couldn't die. I knew I couldn't die. That's so I crash landed this plane. It exploded You're so around weird. me. You're so weird. And, uh, <laughs> and I just like watched all these cars honk and people yell at me. And I was like, haha, I'm in a dream. You can't do anything. So <laughs> I am weird. It's a rebel. That's weird. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. A rebel. I, well, that's a gust stretch. But in, Inception <laughs> is really good, listener. Yeah, Inception. Yeah, it's it's, it's legit. It's, yeah, definitely worth checking out. I, yeah, I like like Brad said. If you haven't seen Inception, I don't know where you've been for the last fifteen. Yeah, exactly. Years or however old that movie. But I think one tiny detail you miss, Braden, is the name of your favorite director. So you, Christopher Nolan. Oh, Christopher Nolan, straight right. up. Yeah, yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, he's done the Dark Knight trilogy, which I think is like the best superhero franchise of all time. And people might ridicule me for that, but whatever. Got to be proud. And then... Um, Wasn't one of his earlier films, you can correct me, I, I forget. It, it's on my um, honor list, so I'll just say it now, is uh, Insomnia. He did mm-hmm. Insomnia, right? Yes, yeah, correct. Yes, that's uh, a great psychological that's a good thriller. Too, yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, if we weren't doing psychological thrillers, I would have said Interstellar, because that's like my favorite film of all time, actually. Really? Oh. I don't get... I did not get the hype on that movie. Yeah, it's it not my It felt you know, I did not... Uh, this is I don't the Keanu Reeves thing all over again. You guys will catch up. <laughs> let's, let's just start crying like Matthew McConaughey. Well, all right. In, in 10 years, I'll give you a Skype call back, and well, yeah, I'll tell you how right you were. <laughs> and I'll be like, it's only been five seconds. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good reference. That's a good, yeah, that's a good reference. <laughs> Okay, my, my number, number two is another more mainstreaming one, but it's. I think I'll go. I'm gonna go with the Silence of the Lambs. Yes. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't know what. What can you say? I mean, Anthony Hopkins just oh so good. Jodie Foster is really good in this movie too. Really? They just yeah. the chemistry they have on screen. I just something that you just really missed in in the in the the second one. What the hell was the second one called? Red Dragon, I think. Um. No, is Red Dragon the was the one? third one. The second one. Hannibal. Hannibal. Um, yeah, the second one where they recast uh, Jodie Foster's character with um, what's her name? I don't know why I'm caring about talking about the sequel when I'm supposed to be talking about <laughs> the original. <laughs> my number one and my number two were basically made these slots because these are movies I saw when I was very young and they left impression on me. So they are very memorable. Um, I mean, Buffalo Bill. God, I just. <laughs> yeah, I just quote like, "Would you fuck me? I'd fuck you." <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's like classic. Anytime I get the chance, and like, 
Sorry, did Bill say this or did you say this? <laughs> I say that to myself in the mirror every, day, every morning That's I wake up to get hype for the day. There we go. It's, it's, your, it's your self prep help. Talk it was self help eh? before. <laughs> yes, that's right. It was self help. <laughs> I've never heard anyone describe <laughs> Buffalo Bill <laughs> as self help. Listen, he 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 made himself feel beautiful. He made sure your skin was nice and well cared for. <laughs> it doesn't matter if he wanted to wear it. It's just. <laughs> I don't know what he, else. To it say. keeps the cold out. It's good cold. <laughs> yeah, it's highly yeah. insulating. <laughs> yeah, he's a do- he's a dog person. I, mean, I don't know. It's just, he's a dog person. <laughs> very welcoming. Oh, that's yeah. hilarious. Number two, size of the lambs. Nice. Self help before self help was a thing. Oh, that's hilarious. Was popular, I guess. All right. Um, well, my number one <laughs> is not going to be a surprise. You had a right, Leland. Switched around. It's one hour photo. One hour photo. Oh. One hour really? photo. No way. Oh, yeah. I love one hour photo so much. I think it's, you know, so Robin Williams is a very lonely guy. Mm. Uh, he works at a photo uh, processing shop um, in kind of like a London drugs sort of place. Uh, like it's different. But Literally it's when I picture his character, I immediately think a London drugs employee. Oh, yeah, yeah. me too. The blue well, yeah. like totally. vest and stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. The blue yeah. like schmuck or whatever. Like, yeah. yeah. And so what ends up happening is he just, he sees so many photos, he gets connected to this one family and he starts to see himself as if he could potentially be a member of this family. And he starts to do creepier and creepier things that, you know, it's like a snowball rolling downhill, goes to a crazy climax. But I think like, even though these people don't end up acting on those fantasies i do think there's a lot of people that are lonely that kind of have similar psychological issues i was just about to pose the question could you make a similar movie now about cyber stalking absolutely right social media stalking right 100 percent. i think people do that naturally too like i think people maybe don't go to the extent robin williams does in that film but i think (laughs) naturally like people are going to your social media, are following you, are liking yeah, your photos. They're, they're like it's creep your page, it's absolutely. A very like it's just become part of our culture now. But if you were telling someone like ten years ago or twenty years ago, hey, I'm gonna look at everything you do and I'm liking your photos and following you, like <laughs> people would feel like fuck off, dude. Like who the hell are right, you? Right, exactly. You would, would you say in one hour photo that Robin's Williams character is sympathetic? Or starts sympathetic at all? Or is he just immediately like a creeper? To, to me, he's a creeper. And I've seen that movie so many times. Yeah. Okay. To me, he's a creeper. Yeah. Because cause comparing it to this 2019 Cyberstock version of this movie, there, there's I think there is a big component that is lost, though, in that translation. Because with the Cyberstock stuff, the stuff, the, the, the material in question of the stalking is just you are giving it to the world like literally everybody yeah that's correct yeah whereas in one hour photo you you were tr- you were literally trusting all of your memories yes with a single person that do not people dropping their photos have daily interactions like the, the robin williams character like knows some of these people by name you know because this is where they go to get their film developed because this is the only this, right. this is how you record it yeah keep a record of everything the, the difference is though is you know the old school analog way of showing photos would be to have a photo album that you have on your coffee table and you show people to come over. What 
was back in the days that these photo processing technicians were, I don't want to say a necessary evil, but a necessary component that you had to trust to get your pictures developed. Right. And so they really have no right to get involved in your life. Right. And I think, just, just to back up, why I think Robin Williams is not a sympathetic character is he's actually surrounded by a bunch of quite normal people. So his boss is kind of um, a typical boss, Gary Cole, the same boss as in uh, Office Space. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's a normal guy. And every scene, he's he's just treating him like a normal right. boss that needs to protect his employees would. But there's also – he ha- there's the other technician named Yoshi. And he is very normal and professional, whatever. So Robin Williams is surrounded by normal people juxtaposing okay. him. So he is – supposed to be this outcast whereas if you compare that to like hard candy and patrick wilson's character in that it's just patrick wilson yeah there's no context there's no context the only context is this woman that is like torturing him and like like keeping him hostage right and one hour photo i feel goes out of its way to create context because i think what the director wants you to see he establishes this context to show you that these lonely people exist in everyday life and he right. has to force a context to to make robin williams mm. stand out a bit and more. you know I, that's funny about that is kind of on the flip side of the photos themselves a photo yeah it, it speaks a thousand words but it is without context these are oh, yeah. snapshots in these people's lives that are not going to be nowhere near as perfect as a singular photo or photo roll can show but that that's exactly but that's the crux like social of the story. media is now too. I think people are just giving snapshots of their life, and it's just the best part of their lives, more or yeah, less. Absolutely. Some people take it another direction and are always putting like very like gloomy, saddy photos. But for majority of the time, that's the general aspect of social media is taking the best shot, and people taking like an hour uh, just to do one photo of them eating. Right. <laughs> a fucking ice cream cone and it's like <laughs> the perfect drip going down the cone and the perfect moment with the lick and the sun lens flare and everything and it's summertime happiness <laughs> but in reality it's not took a picture of you and oh that just so happened to be like that like people take the time to do these photos just so their life looks so great on instagram or uh, facebook or social media so i think it's the same same principle still there it's just the time period is different well, I think that's a great point, and I think that that's uh, a very good analogy of what we have nowadays, is that you're right. For the most part, you see these people's lives on your social media, and it seems like they have fantastic lives. Their lives are better than your lives. Everything's happiness, right. because that's all you see. And that's part of the reason why Robin Williams goes so crazy in One Hour Photo, is all he's seeing is this perfect family mm. when that breaks down. Through like it's a shitty situation what happens with that family, but honestly, it's pretty normal to what yeah. unfortunately happens with families. But he takes it as like this most horrific thing that he needs to get involved right. in. Right, this idyllic state and people that he's built up and his his brain is just shattered. Right, mm-hmm. but you know, I think the movie was made at a time where they didn't feel an obligation that Robin Williams had to be made sympathetic. I think that. All the scenes that they have do show that it's creepy and wrong. They're trying to help you as the audience understand that lonely people like this exist and where this can lead. But they don't, I think, ever are. They're never apologetic. 
okay. Robin Williams. Okay. And I think that's so, important. Uh, Braden, would you say that this genre tends to have some type of subversion within the film, right? Yeah. Like you, you, you want the the point of it is to subvert expectations. So what is the subversion in one hour photo? I guess we're getting into spoilery stuff and we're really Um Yeah, do you want no. to or are we spoiler free or what? We we you know what, listener, the we've gone through pretty much all our, our picks. I mean we're gonna go through our final picks. Yeah, we're on number yeah, we one. Let's spoil number ones. Yeah, let's okay. spoil number ones, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Um, so what where what where's the subversion in, in one hour photo that you know and I'm not trying to make this list this list of criteria that puts a movie into a given genre mm-hmm. necessarily, right? But like, if that's kind of a staple, like, what is a subversion? You know, what, you know what the subversion for me was honestly to see Robin Williams in this role. It's completely unexpected, I and I think that's that. why he's casted like that to see that to con to really emphasize that juxtaposition in him, um, right. to emphasize like to help put the audience in that creep factor. You know, exactly. Right. But the sub- the subversion for me was really like that was also my day-to-day life like when i was a kid and uh young teenager like going to film stores and uh, going to photo labs and getting my photos developed and um giving trust to these people who i don't know like my only hard copy of these photos that i work so right. hard to get and all those dick pics you just putting into <laughs> someone else's hands yeah that's a scary thing like take me to brunch first or something i, don't know. I can make coffees yeah. and like the mimosas like brunch first. Steal the negatives? Yeah. yeah. It's only, don't give me my negatives back. Just give me my positive. <laughs> it's your birthday, Braden. It's a free camera. <laughs> um, but yeah, just, and just to see him right away, like, I, I, I haven't seen the film in a while, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I remember the opening of the film being him developing these photos. Like, we're just seeing a bunch of photos, and right off the bat, you can just tell there's something wrong. And like, right away, I was like, intrigued human nature i think it was the human nature to be like this is normal but what he's doing isn't what is wrong and that right away was the subversion for me it was just right i could tell something was wrong well and for listener what how the movie opens is that robin williams goes through a bunch of photos that cross his labs and mm-hmm. what he does is he tells you exactly what these people's lives are and the thing is you don't know that just because you've got some pictures of, you know, a couple together that does kinky stuff that that does not define who they are. Just a few exactly. pictures, but yeah. you can tell he's overly invested. Exactly. Yeah. Like you can see like he's not just done his job, like he's taken it one step further in his personal life. And and then once you watch the film, you see how far he really does take that. And it, it just gets to a whole creepy factor. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so, kind of like this this understated invasion of privacy. Yeah, in a sense, and it's like taking what you know that is normal or how the everyday person. I think I think in most uh, psychological thrillers, but it, talking about one hour photo is taking the audience's normal and throwing it at the window, basically, and taking them like oh, not everything is what it seems. Right, right, right. Because you know, thank thank God that movie came out you know, just as digital cameras were becoming popular because the world's photo industry would have gone down the table. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. That's funny. Oh, yeah. Um, Because they do so much in the movie um, with, like you say, throwing out the normal, but as opposed to, like, these fantastical situations that the situation itself drives the the thrill or the the intensity. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. but it's really it all just hinges on Robin Williams' character and just like his mannerisms and the way he presents himself. 
to the world as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I remember, I don't want to give anything away to the listener, but um, I just remember like for me personally, what scene sticks out when I, uh, whenever I hear about one hour photo is that scene where he's in the park and it just, it just makes me feel so uncomfortable and it just screws with me. And just the way Robin Williams is sitting and walking and just looking and being himself is just, it's just very well done. Well, and we're in, we're in spoiler territory. So is that when he's kind of spying on the kid? Yeah. A little yeah, bit? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That is a good scene. You're Ugh. right. His body language. Yeah. Just his body language alone creepy. is just like, okay, you're definitely not a parent. Like, you right. definitely stick out like, like a sore thumb kind of deal. Exactly. Well, yeah. and where I think that awkwardness comes from is Robin Williams is naturally a very high energy guy. And so I've always felt like he was like a coiled rubber band in that movie and that's right. where a lot and of his he's body he's about to snap he could snap it literally any oh time. yeah and yeah. he does i mean he does at the right. end cool. but yeah really really creepy so listener i think we're all in agreement uh, if you haven't seen one hour photo and you're at all in a psychological thriller see one hour photo yeah absolutely oh yeah that's a great one uh brayden your number one okay my number one is prisoners with hugh jackman and jake gyllenhaal <gasps> Have I have yet movie? to see this one. Oh, man. Oh, it's so good. It's been wrapped on my shelf for a couple years as one movie that I wanted to see. So oh, maybe man. I should just unwrap it. Dude, do yourself a favor and unwrap that movie right now and just watch it. We'll, okay. we'll finish the interview after. <laughs> right. Prisoners. Awesome. Okay. Oh, it's so good. So, uh, yeah, what, where can I go with this? Like, am I going to spoil anything? Is it okay to spoil? I don't know. Yeah, it's okay to spoil. I'll... It's okay, been so spoiling I'll, on my shelf. I'll just, uh, yeah, it has, dude. Man. I've got like 80 other movies spoiling on my shelf, so. Well, I Make Prisoner is not one of them. Okay. I promise <laughs> we'll you. We'll do. I promise. I promise, Brayden. Uh, okay, so I'll, I'll just kind of talk about it, and if I spoil it, I'm sorry to whoever hasn't seen it, but uh, I'll just talk about it, and if the ending comes out naturally, then sorry. But uh, we find ourselves in this like very... Uh, suburban area very like common like nuclear family white picket fence um, dogs and pets and two two parents in the household children um, on the holidays of American Thanksgiving and they're having this this lovely dinner everything seems to be happy-go-lucky nothing seems to be wrong they're playing music they're getting tipsy the kids are having fun in the room and we get to a point where these kids um come and say can i go play outside and the parents are like yeah just wear a jacket stay warm stay close and it was those days where you could just stay between the stop signs don't go too far on your bike kind of days and so they do and then the the night goes on the day goes on and um there's older siblings that are hanging out that didn't go outside and the parents come to them and say have have you seen your sisters like they haven't come back yet and they're like no and so i guess to the point where they get really worried and so they go looking for them and they're they're in a panic mode and they come across this this RV and and earlier the the kids were playing on seen playing on the RV so uh, the older siblings knew that they were around this RV at one point um, and so not giving too much away but it, it got to this point where it became a huge search and rescue thing and uh, Hugh Jackman being the the father of this missing girl he kind of takes it into his own hands and finds out who's driving this RV and it turns to be this very awkward unput gentleman who doesn't really seem to understand social cues or really understand any anything really that's going on or he's just being very smart about what situation he's in 
Um, so he's brought into interrogation, and that that's where Jake Gyllenhaal comes in, and he's the, the te- detective on this case. Um, and throughout the whole film, Jake Gyllenhaal is just telling the cops, like, this is where my daughter is. He's the one who took my daughter, but evidence really isn't playing with this RV driver that they found. And so they're really playing on what Jake Gyllenhaal believes, what Hugh Jackman believes, and, and it gets to the point where Hugh Jackman's like, fuck this, I'm taking it into my own hands, I'm finding my daughter because the, the police aren't doing what they are supposed to be doing. So he takes this guy, who's this RV driver, he's very socially awkward and maybe wouldn't have a, a high enough IQ as the average person would, and he just brings him to a warehouse or an abandoned building and kind of takes matters into his own hands, starts to beat the shit out of him and get try to get answers out of him and kind of become the detective himself and um the detective gets involved by saying like you can't do this i know that you're also doing something bad let me do my job and find your daughter and don't get yourself into this shit and there's all these layers of like people the mom is all depressed and the daughter we don't know where she is is she alive or is she dead we kind of start seeing things of maybe the guy with rv didn't take the daughter maybe he did she he did and Hugh Jackman just gets himself in a lot of trouble and adds drama to the situation and it becomes this whole what is what the fuck is happening like it just becomes this huge thing and the way and the way it's shot too is what I love the most really is like it's very real it can come across as if it could happen in our real world but um very cinematic at the same time which is which is what I love and it has this very subtle cold bluish dead tint to it which is very nice so uh yeah i just love it i think it it, i I remember going to the cinema and being blown away and i went to the cinema about three times i think to see it and it's just one of my favorite movies and i just remember it being one of the psychological thrillers that actually made me go a different direction than what i thought and then kind of flipped me around Hmm. yeah that sounds interesting yeah it does it legit does and i will see it and i will report back on a rant there but i just dude it's your number one pick you can rant all you want and then the ending too sorry the ending is very like i don't know i don't want to give it away never mind but the ending is brilliant and i love it and i even took that ending and made it paid homage to that ending in my psychological thriller you know what if hugh jackman beat the shit out of robin williams character from one hour photo i would pay big money for that movie right i would just love to see that (laughs) yeah it's all pretend it's all pretend and then he takes photos of it and yeah, it takes, it takes, takes selfies, selfies with a digital camcorder. <laughs> oh, that's funny. But yeah, that's my number one pick, and I definitely recommend taking that off your shelf because yeah, you're your not doing yourself any favors. I feel like I, I, I want to use a mafia kind of uh, accent here. It's like, uh, Brayden, I feel like I have uh, insulted <laughs> a you. I have insulted a you with this injustice of having Man. prisoners under my yeah. shelf. When you're driving home and you stop at a toll booth, you better gun right through it because you're, you're, getting, you're getting shot down. <laughs> nice pull. Nice reference. All right. My number one. Well, listeners really have come for us. Everything word that comes out of Leland Seal's mouth. My number one, again, like I had said on the previous pick, um, this is just like a movie I watched when I was a kid and it just like blew my mind. It's Memento. Oh, oh so good. Uh yeah, Julie, man, this left an impression on me when I was a kid. Just just like the tattoos on the body trying to remember and just like how scary that condition would be to have. Yeah. And how how like just day to day he doesn't know who to trust. He can only trust what's on his body. It's just 
I don't know. It's just so good. It's so good. Yeah. Um, I think my big issue with that movie is that I've only seen it once. And everybody's <laughs> told me that you have to see it at least twice to, to get it better because I was yeah. trying to digest Come so on. much the first time. Right. I couldn't really follow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's got um, oh, it's got like Cipher and Trinity in it, right? Yeah, Carrie Ann Moss and, uh, and uh, no, Joe, is it Joe Pantoliano? Is it Carrie Ann Moss? I, you know, it's been a few years since yeah. I saw it, and I should have watched it back to back. You should have watched it back to back. But would you agree with that, Braden, that you have to see that film like a couple I, times? Yeah, I think so. I think it's one of those more value every time you see it, and especially because it's not shot um, chronologically. Chronologically, so you would pick up things maybe you wouldn't see the first time knowing things that you find out later which is always interesting and fun to pick up on so yeah i'd say watch it a couple a few times actually it is carrie amos and and, uh stars guy pierce as well yeah guy pierce is joe pantoliano in that list because that's yeah it is okay cypher yeah man i don't know i just that movie's so good it's great yeah it's good love it love it yeah and just like the time jumps uh, they're so well done too they're not like they're not like crazy frenetic and you're like, what the heck is going on? But like, even though it's not chronologically, they shoot it in a way that you as as a, as a watcher, as a viewer can put it chronologically. And, yeah. and, they, and they slowly reveal the, the, the method of which you use to put it chronologically. But like you're just you're kind of piecing it all together as you're watching it. And yeah, you may miss some things on the first first go around, but I don't think that's a fault of, of the movie, really. Um, I'm not sure that you could really fault a movie in this genre with that criticism overall, right? Like, isn't that, I don't know, should it, should it have been more clear? Do you think, Brayden? I don't think so. Be... I don't think so. I think that was the, the whole purpose of the film. And I think right. if people didn't pick up on it, I think that confusion was maybe added. Like, I don't want to speak for my Lord and Savior, Christopher Nolan, but... Um, <laughs> I think his vision would have been if they had confusion for certain things, that would have just added to their experience. I don't think it was more so like on the nose, on the nail, this is what's happening, why it's happening. I think I think any filmmaker really wants to have never wanna hit the wanna hit the nail because that just doesn't give your audience any enjoyment. So right, I think right. I think it's okay the way it was shot, yeah. Yeah, I guess like that the confusion, as you put it, is like uh, it's a it's the, it's the narrative device. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Like it's yeah. the it's just the the style of that film per se. Yeah. 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 That's cool. Good picks. These are all good discussion. Picks. Interesting. Like we had no overlap though. I was wondering if. Yeah, I was like, curious. I was like, what's gonna happen? Yeah. I thought one hour photo was gonna be an overlap with one of you guys. I really did. I was, yeah, I was close. I was close. It certainly made the uh, made the short list. Yeah. And I think we all <laughs> well, would have picked Nightcrawler too if we were all not on the fence with it. Yeah, that was crazy. That's that was true. random. That's true, yeah. I've never had a situation like that on the show. But what we're touching on here is what I want to throw the floor open to, which is uh, honorable mentions. So Okay. Um Braden, do you have any honorable mentions that you I have a few. Um okay. I actually, one of the first one I want to start with is the one I just watched it last night for the first time, um, oh. and it's starring Andrew Garfield, and it's called Under the Silver Lake. Fairly new movie. I'm, I, I really hope I'm correct when I say this. I think it's an A24 film, um, but I just watched it yesterday, so I don't know. What does that mean? What is that? Uh, like the production company A24. They, oh, okay. They did like. <laughs> They've done a bunch of. Great... That was like a type of film or something. Adult uh, twenty four. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's uh, rated twenty four plus, so it's yeah. more vulgar than 
you know, Walking <laughs> Phoenix Joker. I've never even heard of this one. No, me neither. Uh, uh, the the film or the company? The film, both. <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah I, 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 I really didn't hear the film either. Like, I would, I just so happened to see a trailer, like I think, like a month ago, and it was supposed to go into cinema, and I don't think it did such a huge run. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if that's due to the uh, reviews or box office uh, yeah. success or what what may be, but um, I saw it on on uh, Amazon Prime, out of all things, actually, and. Uh, I was really interested because I love Andrew Garfield, so I gave it a watch, and it's an amazing psychological I like, thriller. I like Andrew Garfield too. Yeah, he's he's probably the best part of this film. Like, it's I think he's under I think he's an underrated actor. I do too, and I think I yeah. think he's still like praised enough. Like, he definitely yeah. is still well known, but I think he should be more well known. Um, right, like people know his name, but I don't know if he how big of a draw to a movie is these days. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. I really think the Amazing Spider Man those movies just really did not help his career <laughs> but that that's the best part of this film is like he wakes up i'm not gonna give anything away but he wakes up in this film and uh he has some residue on his hand which is sticky i'm not gonna say what residue it is and he wakes <laughs> up with a comic book on his hand and it's the amazing spider-man comic book oh, stuck to his good. hand and he's shaking it and I just was like, this is the most meta thing I've ever oh, seen. I love, I love very turned like on. Yeah, I like yeah, that. I am but, rock hard right now. But it's a great like homage to like old Hollywood noir films. And it was like a very, it was a great film. I, I really liked it first watch. Uh, I'm going to watch it again. And What was it uh, called? It's called Under the Silver Lake. Under the Silver Lake. Cool. And then are we going to go around and say our honorable mentions one by one? Or should I just say all my, all right, my list is long enough where I'm probably just going to list them all right away. And then you guys, if anyone's I list catch your fancy, we can. Maybe yeah, that, that that was how I was planning. Brayden, you can just shotgun through. All right. I just got I just have list. two more. And then. And OK. Then, uh, so my other two are actually TV shows. Um, okay. One oh. of them is Mr. Robot with Rami Malek. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the show. I have not watched it. I've not seen it. I fell in love with it very fast. I watched it. Uh, I watched the first three seasons like within two weeks, and um, I went as uh, the Rami Malek's character for Halloween this year. Uh, it's very, it's great. It's a great film uh, series, and it's very dark and psychological, and it really makes you think. And it's very Fight Club esque. And um, okay, wow, has, that's interesting. Cause has I've... this middle finger to society, which I really like right now. So. <laughs> I've either heard great things or nothing about it, like nothing negative, but like either just like nothing. People yeah. just it's like not on people's radar or people love it. Yeah, I'm the same way. Like I've never heard anything bad about it, but I either people are like, oh, I've never seen it, or I don't even know what that is, or yeah. I like fucking love this. I show. don't even know what the premise of the show is. Really, like that's how little I've seen is talked about. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I would be in the same boat too if I didn't uh, just end up watching it. But basically, the premise of the show is this. This character who is really works at a tech company and it's called E Corp and short form for Evil Corp and um, it's just a play on corporations right now and mm-hmm. and he's this coder for these companies and he he also is like this like dude in the night who hacks bad people's computers and finds out information about them and does justice to bad people um, who maybe don't get justice in the justice system and it goes on to this bigger event and these bigger things and more drama and more more stakes are at hell that i don't want to give too much away because it's and and the second season of the show is literally one of the best seasons of tv i've ever seen um 
and I don't want to give any of it away because if I do, it won't be as good. And it's one of those seasons too, where you have to watch from episode one to the last episode. Cause for me, I love season one and then season two kind of felt like a slow burner, but I was like, I'm going to keep watching. And then I'm so happy I did because once I got to the end of season two, I was just blown away. Like I was just like, I'm this show is top five for me now, basically. So that was one of my honorable mentions. And then, um, I don't I don't know if it's actually categorized as a psychological thriller, but I think it might be. So uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but Lost is um, one of my honorable mentions as well. That's I'll, I'll give you that. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never really thought of that at all. I don't know what I would classify that as. Yeah, me neither. And I'm my my girlfriend's never seen Lost, and so I was like, you you have to watch it once. Like you just have yeah, to. Yeah, you so. do. You kind of. I just started rewatching it again and we're on the fourth season um, and I've seen it all, but she hasn't. And I'm like, wow, this is kind of like a psychological thriller. I think my question for you, Braden, is now I started Lost and Mm -hmm. I dropped out and I purposefully dropped out. I'm trying to remember what season it was, but I came to season finale and I felt like J.J. Abrams is just playing with me. I'm sick of this shit and I'm out (laughs) and I never turned back. Yeah. Some of the criticism of the show is that there was no payoff at the end. Do you disagree with that? Do you feel like there is payoff in resolution? Um, I okay. So for me, I thought I knew the whole series, and then as I've been watching it again with my girlfriend, I'm realizing that everything I remember was within the first three seasons, right? And I don't really remember season four, five, and six. And I just finished season four. I still have five and six to go with her. But I remember when I first initially watched it, and I remember being like what is this like it was very anticlimactic and i was very disappointed and i remember being like uh i don't get it like i just i feel like this is and i was super young too when the series ended so i don't i didn't really i was just getting into filmmaking at the time and i was just like okay like i kind of get it i kind of don't but i kind of forgave a lot of things but now that i'm watching it again i'm picking up things that i didn't pick up when i was younger watching it so i'm starting to see layers that maybe i didn't see before that are kind of balancing out that ending that i know is coming yeah like kind of a little more nuanced stuff there yeah and there's like easter eggs and hidden things yeah so for me lost um lost was one of the the last shows uh in my recent memory that i watched uh like uh, on a weekly basis as they were airing on cable like this is kind of almost like my last bastion memory of that form of consuming media. Same, actually, um, yeah. Which, yeah, which is weird because there has to be lots in between, like, uh, right? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I just remember getting frustrated where you'd you'd watch, uh, you know, week one you get an episode, it's like, whoa, cliffhanger, cool. Week two doesn't touch anything that happened in week. Right, one. right. Then week three refers to week one, so you're getting, you're literally you having to wait two weeks to get any resolution yep. from and to keep the viewer engaged right this stupid bullshit abram's mystery box crap yep uh so that's frustrating so i think for me with lost the resolution just got so muddied and watered down by the end of it yeah that it yeah it doesn't really feel like a payoff but yeah i see what you're saying though i'd have to revisit it again i think yeah like for me uh from the perspective of watching it kind of more so on uh, a demand aspect of being able to watch like five episodes in one day like for for my girlfriend who's never seen it she's like i can see her getting frustrated and being like why isn't this answered or like am i gonna find it this and she's asking me all these questions and 
and I'm like, I don't, I don't remember, but also like you have to remember too. Like when I watched the show, I had to wait a week after this episode to see the next one. And now we're just right. watching like a month's worth of lost in one day. And um, yeah. there's some episodes that go on a whole other tangent and storyline. And I, I think of when I'm watching it now, I'm like, Oh man, I would have been so frustrated if I had to wait a week for this episode and it's still telling me nothing. But then two episodes down the line, a couple hours later in real time, I'm finding out the answer. So now that I'm watching it episode back to back to back and doing a couple episodes here and there and not having to wait a week in between like I had to uh, in the on the TV cable days, it kind of flow has a better flow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, OK, um, I want to go back to Mr. Robot season two then and the mm-hmm. slow burn. Yeah. So, OK, you're when you're watching on on Prime. Yes, correct. Do you think that the creation of that show, they knew uh, they knew what they needed to do to make the payoff, you know, a payoff, right? Correct. Yeah. And they know the medium in which their the, their their show is going to be consumed. Although the, Mr. Robot airs on cable, doesn't it? It does. I think like it's a, on the. It actually the, does. So yeah, maybe my think, point. Yeah. My, I'm missing my point. My own point here. But like, I'm just like I'm thinking like that slow burn is way more acceptable when you're streaming and you, you have this on demand these on demand services right yeah i th- i think so like i think i think uh if it was like an amazon original or netflix original where they know that it's going to be in that platform of here's episode 1 2 3 4 5 and almost a whole season at your fingertips i think that slow burn is more acceptable in our our society now because of our attention spans are getting shorter um, and people mm-hmm. are more so used to the quick and uh, immediate give me now supply and demand kind of style. And for me, I'm a huge fan of slow burn. And that's my, my style of shooting as well as what I like to watch. And um, I think uh, I think for the Amazon platform with Mr. Robot specifically, I think um, they took a risk of of kind of only doing episode by episode and then getting to this conclusion that everyone was waiting for and um because if if they didn't have that one conclusion then because usually in the slow burn at the end of each episode you get something that wants you to get to the next episode and for mr robot i was finding that all these episodes weren't having those endings there was just more so let's say like the first eight episodes were that slow burn to like the last two or three episodes of the season whoa so that that was kind of the risk they took i think but yeah i see what you're saying like i think I think it's more acceptable in a Netflix, Amazon, or right. Hulu platform kind of thing. And okay, so do you think that risk? If they took that risk in season one, the show would just be dead. Um, I think they, I think they did it somewhat. Like, I don't think they took it as dramatic as they did in season two, but definitely season one is also a little bit of a slow burner. But the okay. first few episodes are fast paced to get you kind of introduced to the, yeah. the world and the characters, and um, I think that's just the the nature of pilot uh, in season one. Totally. Yeah, and then once sense. they kind of establish that, then that's when they had the opportunity to kind of create the story they really wanted to create and the style they wanted to create, which was right, season right, right. two and uh, season three. And now I'm waiting for season four. Hmm. Maybe I need to get Prime Video again. I got to watch season two of The Tick anyway. So. <laughs> the Tick. All right. <laughs> Sign up for a year. Is it yep, good, The Tick? Go. I haven't seen it. Yes. The, the I watched uh, season one of The New Tick was really good. Was it? Oh, wow. Yes. Real, like... Like, yeah, at first you you miss Patrick Warburton because he's fucking Patrick Warburton. Yeah, of course. But 
man, it's it's really well done. Like, yes, check it out. Watch it if you have uh, uh, Prime Video. Oh wow, okay. it's right. like it's like six episodes too. Like, it's not very, it's nothing. Are they like hour long episodes or? Uh, no, they're short too. I they might be like thirty minute episodes. <laughs> I'm watching. Like you, you'd blitz through it. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, <laughs> worth watching though. Okay, uh, Leland. I have a battle off your list. Okay, so uh, this is kind of the short list. Uh, one hour photo was on that list. Mm-hmm. Uh, seven taxi oh, driver. Oh, uh, taxi seven. driver's also uh, great. Cape Fear, Basic mm-hmm. Instinct, The Hand That Rocks the Cradle, Single White wow. Female, uh, Bone Collector. A lot of like '90s stuff. It was yeah, like very, yeah. the decade is like a treasure trove. Is like, yeah. I don't know. There's just so many. There's literally a ton to list. Um, uh, one I actually want to talk to uh, about specifically is the Bone Collector. That was one I actually recently watched with uh, Angelina Jolie and uh, Denzel Washington. Man, that movie is really good, and it's like it's like it's like so '90s, like crime thriller. Like ah, oh, it's so good. It's so good. Uh, Angelina Jolie's she's okay in it, I guess. I don't know. She just I don't think her performance is anything <laughs> to write home about. But like Denzel Washington is always entertaining to watch. Uh, even when he's paralyzed in a hospital bed, just using his brain and a finger. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, literally, that's what he does in the movie. Yeah, it's oh, good stuff. Awesome. Yeah, good some stuff. good picks there. The two I had, and one of them people can call me on it and say, well, this is a sci-fi horror, not a psychological thriller. To me, it's a psychological thriller. Is John Carpenter's 1982 The Thing. Uh, just the amount of oh, paranoia. Yeah. yeah. For me, it's all, it's, I mean, the alien effects are cool, but it's all about the paranoia of who's infected, who isn't. It is, it is. And for me, it feels like a psychological thriller. I'd say it's a psychological thriller, yeah. So that's on the list. The other one is a film that turns into a psychological thriller, which is uh, Sunshine by Danny Boyle, done in mm, 2007. Yeah. Have you seen it? I haven't seen it, but I know of it. With uh, Killian Murphy, yes, yeah, on who was sp- always ship. creepy. Just him being him being in Dunkirk made it, made it a psychological thriller. <laughs> He's so creepy, and yeah, so that movie it's about uh, the sun is burning out, so a, a ship that is sun resistant has to go and reignite it by delivering a bomb. However, another ship was actually sent before that they lost contact with. And it, at first, it just seems kind of like a sci-fi drama, but mm-hmm. it turns into a psychological thriller short, uh, slowly. And I felt it used the rarely used uh, technique of cigarette burning the camera quite well, where it's flashing subliminal messages at you. Mm-hmm. And you don't even notice the first few. You're just like, what, did the screen flicker? But then more and more come, and they get, kind of get a little more and more uh, overt. And uh, yeah, I really I enjoyed that movie. It's been a while since I've seen that one. I have the nice list of things to watch right now. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, gentlemen. So those were really the only two I had. Okay. So I guess that kind of concludes the segment. Nice. Yeah, that was a good one. That was a good one. Was it, a was, one. it was long, but that it was, was good. good. Yeah. I think yeah. we've given listener, listener a lot of fodder. Yeah, I think um, so too. So, Braden, once again, uh, plug your film, plug your company, and is there any way we can see your film or we'll be able to see your film in the next year or so? Do you know? Uh, yeah. So again, my film is Beyond the Woods. It's a psychological thriller that's coming out roughly September-ish. Um, okay. We just submitted to TIFF and VIF, and those vessels are both in September. So we're kind of just in the waiting period for, for festival run. And then our long term is to hopefully get major distribution with it um, with either Netflix or Amazon. 
Um, so hopefully within within the year, you guys can see it um, on one of those platforms. Yeah, that'd be right. And uh, my production company is the Nerdy Kid Productions, and my social media is Braden D. Purdy on Instagram. So if you have any scripts, fledgling writers, you can send them to me. <laughs> you, know. you can send them to Don't. me, and I'll read them. You know them. who listener is. <laughs> I actually had uh, a, a kind of a question that um, uh, I was interested in. What is the submittal process like to the film festival? Ooh, like, what question. is that? Oh, it's a uh, it's a crazy one. So um, there's a. Uh, there's two platforms online that I know of called one of them is called Film Freeway and one of them is called Without a Box. And Film Freeway is kind of like this video platform where you have a profile and you can upload your films to it and it's like a private encrypted link to your film and it gives you the opportunity to submit to festivals and each festival has their own profile and it's kind of like a social media for festivals and you kind of just send them the submission fee and uh, whatever their requirements are. Sometimes it's like... A questionnaire that they want you to fill out and then of course like the synopsis and tagline and uh, poster and behind the scenes stuff of your film um, and all the specs of your film and then without a box seems to from my knowledge and understanding it seems to have more of the higher end festivals like tiff and viff and sundance and cans and all that those big ones um so with without a box basically what i did was i had to upload a 1080p version of my film and have an online screener of it basically just through that website platform and then uh, with my profile I have to like you have to input all the information the title synopsis logline tagline uh, they even um, wanted like some behind the scenes photos and videos and the poster and crew character uh, the crew bios and headshots and the care uh, actors character bios and their headshots and then that's just for the your profile on that certain website and then each festival has their own kind of requirements so for example tiff had this giant questionnaire plus they wanted to like know some stories that maybe wouldn't be in the news about your film that only the filmmakers on set would know and that's another thing too they want though is like news articles so any uh, news outlet that did an article on my film or did a a media story about our film i sent to them as well because that kind of shows verification that uh you're doing an actual film and not doing a lack of a better term like a like a dslr film which which is fine too and those are great in their own but some festivals aren't looking for that so they kind of just want that verification and then yeah imdb and stuff and every festival has their own little requirements here and there and questionnaires but more or less it's just going through these websites and um submitting it through through those platforms yeah well and i mean if you mentioned that you were on the t-hood uh podcast you'll for sure get into con so you might want to consider that oh yeah well, you're gonna get you'll it. be a shoe in tattooed on my body oh, i'm gonna get your logo <laughs> like oh those t-hud guys the cats oh my goodness nah, i just full of shit as i always am yeah i would oh. not tell anybody you were on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> don't do not tell the democratic republic of the congo film festival that you're on the t-hud podcast you will not get in to be blacklisted. We are. We are. Yeah, we're already blacklisted down there. We are. <laughs> Made a name for we're black, Blacklisted well, everywhere. Listen, well, hey, we, we've we've been talking about for years making a T Hud movie, so we know we who to call it. now. Once we get a script nailed down, <laughs> <laughs> it could be a psychological thriller. <laughs> it could be. This, this, yeah, I mean, we've made a whole two-hour interview. So, so then, uh, 
this is like your like you wrote this movie too as as well as directed or yeah so i i wrote the the film uh and then i also directed it and was one of the producers on it as well very nice cool 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 uh, okay, let's wrap her up here. So, end of the show stuff. We have our, our show notes. We have some written content. Uh, ttpopcast.com. We're on Instagram and we have a Facebook page. I'm on Twitter. You can just search Leland Steele. And uh, yeah, that's who I've been. I've been Leland Steele. I've been Moby. I've been Braden. Take care, listener. Thanks, listener. Thank you, guys. Bye bye.